1: The s Podcast Channel, the perfect channel for any style of podcast. We have all different pop culture style podcasts for all of your listening needs. If you would like to start a podcast, you can reach us at sndpodcasts at gmail.com. We are always looking for new podcasts to add to our channel, and the topic could be anything you want, so contact us now. And now, a production presents the most awesome podcast to ever embrace a pair of headphones, Sarasso and the
2: Beard. And now, here are your hosts, Nick Sarasso and Jose, the Talking Beard Rivera. And welcome to Sarasso and the Beard podcast, episode 57. I am Nick Sarasso. And I'm the Talking Beard, Jose Rivera. And Jose, we're back for another episode. Again, with everything going on with COVID-19, there still isn't any sports, but we do have the NFL draft talked about, and Tom Brady has picked the team. And it's not New England this time out, Uh, but as always, with everything going on, please stay safe, as we're also doing our own social distancing, keeping the podcast away from each other, uh, recording elsewhere.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's crazy to think that it's only been a month since the NBA canceled their season and pretty much the whole sports world was put on hold. It definitely feels like a year instead of a month. Uh, I've already taken it upon myself to grab a basketball and draw a face on it, and now he is my new best friend. Um, name's still pending, so if you guys have any names out there, I'll gladly take any submissions. Um, but yeah, Nick, it's it's been a, it's been a weird period of time. Again, like you said, hopefully everybody's staying safe. Hopefully everybody's staying home, if, if they can. Um, and yeah, it's just been a weird time without sports. You have a basketball you need to name. I do. Do you have a? Are you gonna go with Wilson? Because
2: that's very uh, played out. No, it's it's probably gonna be the always the original like basketball mitt basketball.
1: Ah oh, right, right. Basketball mick basketball face or something like that. Yes.
2: boaty mitt boat fate was I think yes. was one of the cruises named or something along those lines. The
1: US of A is always very creative when it comes down to picking names for things. So it does not surprise me.
2: Well with that being said, we'll jump right into Tom Brady and then we'll hit into the NFL draft. Tom Brady has signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh He chooses to join the team with really the worst winning percentage in NFL history. Um, Immediately, like, when you found out, your thoughts on the signing? Well...
1: You know, you could really break this down into two parts, right? Because there was kind of two breaking news points, right? There was the first, the breaking news that he wasn't going back to New England. And when they first broke that news, it was unclear about where he was going. Yes, there was rumblings that he might end up in Tampa Bay. Some people were saying the Chargers were still in play. But when that first news broke about him leaving New England, it almost didn't feel real, especially with everything going on. You know, I feel like it was the main focus of the news at that point, for sporting news at least, and it was kind of just a shocker. And you have to let it sink in for a second being like, I don't think I can picture Tom Brady in another uniform, which is weird, right? Because in the last podcast, me, you and I both said that we expect him to be leaving New England. And yet, even though he actually did, it still didn't feel real in, in a sense. Um, I think it's going to be very weird to see him not in a New England uniform. Um, but in a way, it was shocking, but also not shocking. Because like I said, you and I kind of both predicted that he was leaving New England. I kind of feel like, I don't know why I feel like it was a foregone conclusion, but after last year, you know, losing um, in the playoffs, it kind of just felt like, you know, that was it. Like that was the end of the story. Like for some reason, everybody in the stadium knew. Yeah, I think that was it. Um, so even though there was a possibility he could still come back, I think everybody predicted that he was actually going to leave. And I'm still not sure why. I mean, you hear rumblings about how, you know, the relationship between him and Belichick was starting to get old, you know, and all this other stuff bottom line is, we're not there in the locker room. We don't know the exact answers. Only Brady and Belichick know those answers, and I don't think it's fair to speculate um, you know, who wronged who or maybe Tom Brady just wanted an actual challenge. So the point is, he's not in New England anymore. The fact that he ends up in Tampa Bay is very, very interesting to me. Like you said, one of the worst winning percentages last year. However, still a very talented team. Um, it's very weird that Tom Brady was a free agent, yet all you know, 31 teams We're not in market for him, right? When Tom Brady hits the market, you expect every team to be trying to go get Tom Brady. Now, obviously, some teams have their quarterbacks. You know, you're Aaron Rodgers, you're Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. So those teams aren't going to be in play. But I feel like there should have been a lot more teams trying to bid for Tom Brady's services. And it shocked me more that there was such a limited market for him to go to. Um, So him ending up in Tampa Bay, honestly, it's weird but honestly, I can also understand it from a Brady standpoint, because looking at the teams that were interested in you, that is the team that has two of the most dynamic wide receivers in the league in terms of being paired together. Um, they have a decent running game. I'm not the biggest fan of their run game. They have a good veteran head coach that can probably take care of Brady and has been there before, you know, has you know been in big games before. So it's not he's not exactly pairing with a new rookie head coach that, you know, he kind of has to feel like he has to bring into the mix. Bruce Arians is an established coach. And I think that's what Brady wanted as well too. But also, you know, this is a team that they're playing in a division. That's going to be very competitive. Uh, I think that's what Brady wants. and I think Brady really wants a challenge and what's a bigger challenge than going to the NFC South competing in the same division with Matt Ryan, Drew Brees, and my boy, Teddy B. That's right. I said that right. Um, And arguably one of the most difficult divisions in terms of quarterback wise, uh, competition wise, at least and, you know, i trying to come out of the NFC. I think, you know, for Brady, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, I dominated the AFC. I've represented the AFC so many times. And maybe that's because I'm so good or maybe it's because the teams around the AFC are not as great. But in the NFC, it's always been a revolving door about teams who are in the playoffs. So I think for Brady, you know, if you really wanted to challenge himself, I think this is the place to do it. Take yourself to the NFC where there's a lot of talented teams at the top, you know, the top. Six playoff teams are always a revolving door, and he goes to a competitive division, somewhat with a pretty talented team.
2: You know, I think part of the reason we both kind of thought Brady was going to leave it when you, and I'll use a relationship standpoint. Like right? it's overplayed when it comes to Brady and Belichick, but Brady and New England, uh, you in a relationship, you don't immediately just break up with somebody. You you think about it. It lasts over time. You've made your decision, but you have that, you're almost like I'm I'm leaving type of feel to it. And that's what it was involved 2019 Um, throughout the regular season uh, in the playoffs, just discussing it over the off season type of part that it was just the entire field just came across the Brady I'm leaving type of part. Um, You know, for me, there's a lot of things I'm looking at on this side because Brady didn't really have that great offensive numbers last year and obviously there wasn't much talent on his team um for a wide receiver standpoint. Running bats, like you said, Ronald Jones, Payne Barber, they're okay. I like Daria Kumba uh, but he didn't do so well for me for fantasy football wise. Maybe he'll have a, a little bit bigger of a year considering he's a receiving uh running back on third down plays. Uh, almost like that James White possibility uh, for Brady. But you go into looking at it as, for Tampa Bay. Uh, they come in as like one of the worst franchises all time, winning percentage-wise. And then you add to it that now their starting quarterback happens to be, yes, it is the greatest player of all time. But it is someone who's pretty up there in age, you know, 42, 43. We've never seen that somebody play at this age. Um, and offensively, his numbers weren't that great. Do you expect him to have a great year offensively, or could you see him fall off a little bit and it's showing that, like, father time finally is catching up?
1: Honestly, I remember when I asked you in the last podcast, I said, you know, one of the, thing, one of the key things I said about Brady is I would love to sign Tom Brady. Right? You said every team should be in on him. Every team should be you know, trying to ask for his services. But when it's all said and done, like you said, Tom Brady is getting up there with age. Now, if I was my own team, I would not sign Tom Brady. And that's because I can't justify giving big-time money and a somewhat long-term deal to a guy who's going to be 43 years old. So I do expect him to take a dip in his production. Now, do I still expect him to have a good year? I think that's fair. I think his t- I think his receivers are too talented. I think this team has a good potential. I'm not going to say great. I'm not penciling them in for a playoff run. I think if this team even goes nine and seven, even if they go eight and eight, that's a bigger improvement than what they did last year. And I know that's not going to be you know it's going to be disappointing to Brady and Brady's fans who expect greatness out of him. But you got to face the facts. The guy is getting up there with age. Football is a heavy, heavy contact sport that does not benefit. Guys who get up there in age, you know, look at Peyton Manning. Did he take the Broncos to the Super Bowl? Sure. But did he win them that Super Bowl? No. It was the defense. And you were a big advocate about why Peyton Manning was pretty much done by the time he got to Denver, even though they kept winning games. It's just you cannot deny, you know, science. You can't deny, you know, father time. You know, you get up there with age. And again, I don't want to sound like I'm bashing Brady because he keeps himself in tremendous shape. I mean, he's probably in better shape at 43 than you and I are. In our 20s, so you know, let's get that out there. But you know, for Brady, it's it's one of those things where it's like he's going to put up Brady numbers, but I don't think he's going to put up those New England numbers that we were used to seeing in a dynasty year. So I think he'll still have a good year. I think the bigger question is, what are we going to define as good this time around?
2: I think when we look at Tom Brady on the numbers wise, I think it could result in wins. Um, I don't think he's going to post like. We'll take Jameis Winston as the example, who's still unsigned, but there were 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions by Winston. Free my
1: boy, Jameis Winston. Free him.
2: (laughs) I'm not expecting 30 interceptions from Tom Brady. Um, I think we have the possibility of seeing those 30 touchdowns. And if we're looking at that as a great ceiling, I mean, we're talking about that's a phenomenal year by any QB. Uh, Obviously, Numbers are always inflated for quarterbacks at this point when it comes to passing yards and passing touchdowns. Uh, even a few rushing uh, touchdowns elevate a lot of guys uh, with total touchdowns for that part. But I think we could still see a very strong year out of Brady. But the idea of like expecting like I don't know 48, 5,000 yards, I think that becomes a little bit more challenging. But it's going to be less turnovers. It's going to be less interceptions. It's going to be less uh, costing the team. That way, and it could result in wins for the Buccaneers, and that might be why they're, you know, often really viewed as an extremely high favorite. Uh, 14 out of their 16 games, they're viewed as a favorite going into the game. I think most of the time they're, that they're not is possibly the New Orleans games. I think there's the road one against New Orleans, and it might be when they host New Orleans as well. I'd have to check their schedule fully, but I know it's the road one is definitely one of them. They're considered an underdog for, but that being said, like if you're looking at the button right now, are you thinking that they're going to be the, the high favorite in this situation, or they should be considered this um, favorite in so many games to start off the year? Um,
1: I think that's the Tom Brady effect, right? Um, the minute you see Tom Brady's name in there, you always have a chance to win. So I think it's a fair amount of being the favorite because you know, when it comes down to it, yes, defense wins championships and defenses matter. But it also matters is quarterback play, right? What separates the great teams from the good teams is, the chances are, they have a better quarterback, right? What separates the Kansas City Chiefs from the Los Angeles Chargers when it's all said and done, when they play head-to-head, they're two both good teams. They're proof, you know they're two both good defenses, but it's the fact that Patrick Mahomes is a superstar, and whoever you know, and when when it was Philip Rivers, he's not. You know, and that's not disrespect to Philip Rivers. It's just a, it's just a fact, right? I mean, look at the NFC East for a perfect example. Why do the Eagles and the Cow, why do Eagles and Cowboys do so much better than the Giants and Redskins? I mean, it's a lot of reasons, but also they have better quarterbacks right now at this time than the latter does. Um, so I think when you have a guy like Tom Brady, yeah, you are the favorite in a lot of games, and that puts a lot more pressure on the Buccaneers. And you know, I, you know, I may not agree with every game that they're a favorite for, but I think it makes sense why they are the favorite.
2: And then the last part with this, can Tom Brady going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers hurt his legacy?
1: You know, I've been mulling this thought a lot because I've just keep seeing it on the TV over and over and over again. Uh, you know, oh, if they lose, then what happens? Or if he never wins at all, then what happens? The guy still has six Super Bowls. I mean, the guy's still been to what, six of six of nine. He won six out of nine. Um, you and I both agree he's still the greatest of all time when it comes to quarterbacks in this league. Um, maybe even players in general in the National Football League, depending on how you feel. Um, I think in no way, shape, or form would this damage his legacy. Will it be a little disappointing? I think so, right? Because the last thing I want to do is see Brady go somewhere and then flop for the last three or four years of his career. You know, I want to see him end on a high note. And, hey, if he wins a Super Bowl at the age of 44 or 45, I think that's phenomenal, right? Isn't that a lot of the reasons why we're rooting for LeBron now at age 37 still with the Lakers? LeBron already has three rings to his credit. And, yeah, I know a lot of people are cheering because they want him to tie Jordan and all that. But it's also just a good story. 37 years old, you know, and you're still hanging with the best of them. Same thing for Brady. If you can go out there and let's say we're looking at Chiefs Buccaneers in the Super Bowl and this dinosaur of Tom Brady goes out there and beats, you know, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. I mean, that's going to be a great story. Now, if none of that happens, if Brady doesn't even make the playoffs, I think it'll be disappointing. But in no way, shape, or form is this going to damage his legacy. Um, You know, I like to compare it. I'm going to compare it to Michael Jordan, even though I know it's not the same scenario. I know Michael Jordan took some time off before going to the Wizards. People still look at Michael Jordan as the greatest of all time. He's still a great basketball player. He's still one of the greatest to ever do it. Just because he didn't win with the Wizards doesn't mean anything. So I think the same thing applies to Brady. You cut him some slack. He's done enough. And, you know, it's not like he's leaving New England at age 32 and having a six-year career, eight-year career with Tampa Bay, and then winning nothing nothing else. I think if Brady was younger, we can have this argument that it would damage his legacy. But at this point, he's at a good age where if he could, he could retire tomorrow if he wanted to. If he never wins another Super Bowl, I think it'll be fine. It will be disappointing, but it's not the end of the world.
2: And moving on from that point, the Carolina Panthers, you mentioned Teddy B. Um, they just did a four-year extension with Christian McCaffrey, averaging $16 million per year, making him the highest running back in NFL history. Was a, you like the signing?
1: I do. I love the signing. I, I've said it ever since McCaffrey got drafted. I had a friend who was a Panthers fan. He didn't know much about McCaffrey. Um, so I was like, man, you got a good one. And he's like, oh, I don't know what you're really talking about. And I the fact that like people still don't know how good McCaffrey is, is amazing to me. Um, a lot of people know him as the fantasy guru from this year because he was the guy who was killing it this year. I think he won an award for like being the best fantasy player this year. I'm pretty sure he's won a, a bunch of people a lot of championships this year. Um, but he is a fantastic player. He's a dynamic player. He can do both. He can run. He can catch. Um, you know, he has good speed. He runs great routes. He has good awareness. And I love the signing also more for the Panthers than I do for McCaffrey because for the Panthers, you know, you're trying to rebuild on the fly here. You bring in Matt Rule as a head coach. I love that move. Um, this team wants to get younger. I do think they did Cam Newton dirty a little bit with the way they released him. Um, I'm fine with them moving on from him, but the fact is, when you wait until everybody else signs and you were trying to trade him desperately and then you couldn't find the trades, now you released him and now his market is limited. Um, that's a little shady, shady to me. Uh but I love the move for the Panthers because you lock this kid up now. Um, you make him happy, you pay him. And I think, you know, the Panthers could be on a short term rebuild here. I think definitely when they saw Brady sign with the Buccaneers, if you're a Panthers fan, you're like, ugh, why is he in my division now? I think it makes it a little bit tougher. Um but I don't see why the Panthers still can't win games when you have my boy Teddy B and McCaffrey there in the backfield.
2: All right, I'll take the opposite approach. Uh from McCaffrey standpoint, love it. You know, you worked hard. You're one of the best running backs in the league, well-deserved. On the fantasy side, as he said, he was, you know, uh, the fantasy MVP. Um, And and on that side, you know, get your money when you can get your money. Who knows how long you can be playing in the NFL. There's always a limited lifespan when it comes to playing in the NFL, uh, just as far as career longevity. Uh, Team-wise, you don't pay running backs.
1: (laughs) I knew you were going to say that.
2: You don't pay running backs. This is like... When it comes to NFL teams, this should be like the sign right before you go into the field. For whatever organization it is. you don't pay
1: running backs. This but is that's, the easiest thing. So you don't think running backs deserve to get paid, though? Like, at all? Even though how great they are?
2: I'm not saying they don't deserve to get paid. I'm not saying that they don't, uh, they don't do amazing things for their teams. I'm saying that the NFL is brutal on players. And it is extremely brutal on running backs. And the longevity of a running back is just so insignificant to what a team is. And you can replace a running back in multiple draft rounds. That's why we don't draft running backs in the first round. There's maybe one going in the first round this year, possibly. There was only like one that's ever considered every single year. And most of the times when we're talking about the first round running bats, we're talking about a select few in the top five. And even then, I'm not for that. You can replace a running back. Todd Gurley just got replaced. And a year ago, we were talking about his contract. Todd Gurley's gone from the ramps. He's on the Falcons now. And he he sent out a tweet yesterday. Pay me my money, because the Rams gave him a contract that they didn't need to give. You can, if you're doing it with running backs, real simple. You have their rookie contract. If they're really good, if you want to extend them, you franchise tag them one year. You franchise tag them a second year maybe, and then you let them go. The Le'Veon Bell standard, it's something close to it was how they that- did it.
1: But you see why that's a little unfair though, right?
2: I'm not saying it's not unfair. I'm just saying that you don't pay running bats. When you are doing a team and you have money and you're in, a, especially when you have a rookie contract of a quarterback and you can excel at that point, don't pay running bats. when you have a team and you have, a, a, and you're going to have to pay players, you don't pay the running back. You pay the other guys. It's really that – and, you know, again, congrats to McCaffrey. It's well-deserved as a player standpoint. But as an organization, this is going to be a huge issue, and we're going to be talking about this a year or two years from now.
1: As long as you see the conflict in what you're saying, though, right? Because I I do agree with what you're saying to an extent, right? I understand that financially it doesn't make sense to. But you can't tell me that you can't, you're going to just keep paying Christian McCaffrey dirt and then when he hits free agency, he's not going to get
2: signed by anybody because nobody wants to pay him. I'm saying I keep him on a rookie contract. I franchise tag him for a couple of years. And then I see what his body is still able to do from that span. I don't give him $16 million a year before, and before that. That's what I'm saying as far as like an organization part. I get I'm it. Get you have you. to pay who's been it selling on your team. You have to pay your top guys. You have to look to do that, but your top guy is never going to be or should never be your running back because that's just pivotal downhill. Every I'm going to get time.
1: you a t-shirt that says, I hate running backs. <laughs> and then every time we do a draft podcast or an NFL preview po- podcast, you're going to have to wear it for us.
2: We'll start having to do the video part. So it shows the shirt on. Yeah. Uh <laughs> All right, let's go on to the NFL draft as we give like all young rookie running backs their real love going into the season. <laughs> um, all right, so the Bengals have the first pick. It seems like the consensus is Joe Burrow. Is there any reason you wouldn't want to take Burrow or the Bengals don't go Burrow?
1: You know, it's funny. If I was the GM of the Bengals, I honestly don't think... Andy Dalton is as bad as people make him out to be. Um, I think he is a good quarterback. He's not great, but honestly, I see a lot, a lot of similarities. And I know people are going to bash me for this. Probably, I see a lot of similarities in Andy Dalton and Joe Burrow. So, what exactly are you getting in Joe Burrow that's not in Andy Dalton? Uh, to me, you're just getting younger, and, and that's fair. That, that's that's a fair assessment because a lot of their receivers are still young too, right? You know, you have AJ Green, who's still a dynamic wide receiver when he's healthy. You know, they have John Ross the third. Um, I'm forgetting unfortunately, I'm forgetting the other guy's name that's on green? their team. Uh, no not AJ green, not John Ross, the third is another one that's really the uh, dynamic. I'm just I'm drawing a blank on his name. Um, Tyler Boyd, there you go. Um, these guys are dynamic wide receivers. They have a good running back in Joe mixon. Um, you can argue that what they're missing here is a catalyst quarterback, which could be Joe Burrow. You know we we saw what Joe Burrow could do at LSU. Whether you like him as a quarterback or not, you see what he can do when he has talent around him, right? He had talented wide receivers, and a lot of people say, well, the receivers made Joe Burrow look good. So by that logic, if I put him in Cincinnati, with these three good wide receivers, they can also make Joe Burrow look good. A lot of the time, you know, that was the case with Eli Manning. I love Eli Manning. You know that. Um, but I will admit that the wide receivers that Eli Manning has had over the years made him look better than he actually was. Because that's, sometimes that's just the case when you have talented wide receivers. So... I wouldn't judge them for taking Joe Burrow with the first pick. However, if I'm a GM, I look at Chase Young. That kid is a a once-in-a-generation talent on defense. That kid is going to be a monster on the defensive end for years to come. That kid is a behemoth. And honestly, the defense for the Bengals isn't exactly the greatest at all, you know, the greatest right now. So according to your logic, Nick, and I like to use your logic a lot sometimes. Well, thank you. When you're drafting the first pick, you go with the best player overall and that is Chase Young, not Joe Burrow. Now, if the Bengals were a complete team and they had a bad year and they were only missing a quarterback, then you go get Joe Burrow. But if I was the GM, I would pick Chase Young, but we all know it's going to end up being Joe Burrow. And I'm not going to argue with that with their decision either, especially when they have a second-year head coach. They want to get a new QB in there for their new system. Maybe they just want to part ways with Andy Dalton. I get it. But part of me – knowing that the Bengals are probably going to be in the top 10 again next year for a top draft pick, I would go with the best overall player, and that's Chase Young.
2: I think you have to take Burrow. Not only because, like, you know, who who draws a bigger name? It's Burrow. What sure. he did last season is unheard of. Um, and, yes, Chase Young, I do believe, is a, like you said, once in a generation, once... Uh, the best player in the draft, um, uh, as easily could be Chase Young in this, uh, but you know the the potential is there for Joe Burrow, and we're seeing like sometimes when the top quarterback plays great, we're seeing a lot of things positive in that direction, but for the Bengals, they need a quarterback. You have the first pitch. You need to put people in the stands. Uh, you gotta give them something to you know to believe in, and the safe pit is always uh, surprisingly it is Joe Burrow because if you mess up on there and that's obviously, and he turns out to be a complete bust and I don't think he will be, uh, you know, that that's okay at the end of the day, because you had to take the quarterback and you had to change your team up and you had to change your franchise. And that's what they're doing in this part. I think we're going to see Burrow go number one, um, uh, I think 99.9% match half have him go number one. A few have a little bit of a weird thing worth a trade or two, but I don't see enough where you can get offered enough to get away from Burrow. Uh, for Washington, though, they have the second pitch, and you just were talking about Chase Young. Uh, do you take Chase Young? Do you take Tua? Do you consider trading down the pitch? Where do you think you get the most value if you're the Washington Redskins?
1: Uh, Honestly, if you're Washington, um, I think this team is far from complete as well, so they need a lot of things. Um, So in my opinion, I don't think trading down helps unless you're getting multiple picks. Um, What I see if you're Washington, again, a -a once-in-a-generational talent that's going to be there at the second pick when he shouldn't be, and opportunity to pair him up with Montez Sweat on your defensive line. That, to me, could be a scary front I'm always a fan of two defensive ends on each side that are scary and create havoc. Um, I, you know, I heard that, the, you know, Washington was interviewing Joe Burrow into uh, doing their due diligence. That to me doesn't make any sense. Not when you wasted a pick on Dwayne, Dwayne Haskins last year. Um, I think Haskins, I don't think he's going to end up being a great quarterback. I think he's pretty good. I think he can win games. Um, is he the franchise quarterback yet? I don't know. They might've prematurely picked him in the draft last year. I understand that Ron Rivera is in there now. And that, you know, he's going to want his guy. But you got to also remember, Washington already traded for Kyle Allen from the Panthers, who was a starting QB when Ron Rivera was there before he got fired. So, you know, maybe he brings in Kyle Allen to light a fire under Haskins. And if he doesn't like Haskins anymore, he can swap him out with somebody he knows and somebody that he likes and somebody that he can trust, um, surprisingly, in Kyle Allen. Uh, So, to me, I think this is a no-brainer. If you're Washington here, the Bengals, like you said, and at this point, they kind of have to draft Joe Burrow. So if you're Washington, you take advantage and you take Chase Young.
2: Yeah, I don't know if you can get enough value outside of Chase Young by trading down the pick. Um, I think Ron Rivera brought it up. Like, you know, do you take what's considered the best player or do you just trade for pits? And ultimately, trading for just a bunch of pits and trading down and getting like... Instead of, you know, the 1A and you're getting the 2, it's not really worth it at the end of the day when the other pits are not going to make up for it in the long run. Uh, this one should be easy for Washington. It should be Chase Young here. The only reason I could see them not going Chase is if they were to go Tua. To um, I don't believe in Dwayne Haskins. There wasn't enough to show me uh, this year. Obviously he seemed unprepared. Uh, he probably will be going in as a starter with some hope, working with the first uh, team a lot, but you know, it's tough to believe in Haskins on that situation. You don't know without Smith, if he's ever coming back. Uh, so Washington, like you said, the Bengals, they have a, they could be in the top 10 again, that season, Washington certainly could be in the top 10 again, that season. Uh, but, this one, I think, is easy to take—the best player, and that's Chase Young.
1: But you really think they would even try and take Tua, knowing that they also have Kyle Allen there too? Yeah. Would that make sense, though, going having three QBs now on the depth chart? I mean, I mean, I understand if they give up on Haskins at this point, you know, then it's a moot point. But passing up the best defensive player in the draft for another chance at another quarterback doesn't really make much sense
2: to me. Again, what's more valuable? at the end of the day, what's more valuable tanking for Trevor Lawrence, <laughs>
1: 100%. <laughs> I say you get chase young and then you tank for Trevor Lawrence next year. But that's would you it.
2: take, you know, a talented QB for 10 years or a talented defensive lineman for 10 years?
1: You know, again, that's an interesting question. I think if they were a QB away from winning the division, then yeah, I go, I go to a, or I get a, I get a QB that's going to help me. Um, the fact that they're going to be there again next year within the top 10 um, screams to me, you take the best overall player, and that's Chase Young.
2: Granted, I agree with you on that, but it always seems like, what what wins you more dams? And it's like the the years J.J. Watt's at his prime, the years Tom Brady is at his prime, or Aaron Rodgers is at his prime, or Patrick Mahomes right now, um, what wins you more dams? Is that J.J. Watt or is that Patrick Mahomes?
1: I mean, Patrick Mahomes, it's, it's, it's kind of a unique case because he's such a superstar. Fair enough. But, that,
2: that Aaron Rodgers, uh, that, or right. that Tom Brady, or that quarterback that you have for 10 years. What, I, would overall, would I agree with JJ you. Watt?
1: Overall, I agree with you. I mean, you go with the quarterback in that situation. But to me, even if they, you know, I don't know. Washington has been such a, you know, a weird organization over the past couple of years. I don't know that they fire around Rivera within the next four years, because this organization hasn't exactly been the most well-run organization. I don't trust them to hold on to a QB like Tua and build a team around them within the next 10 years to try and go out there and win a game. Um, So that's the only reason why I hesitate in terms of, you know, who they pick. It probably makes more sense for them to go get Tua. But for me, from an organizational standpoint, if I know I'm not going to win within the next year or two, it makes no sense for me to go get that last piece of the missing puzzle when my defense doesn't exactly look the greatest on paper
2: either. And do not worry, we are not doing an entire first-round mock. Uh, we are focusing on the first sits and then a, a couple others on that one. So before anyone got too worried, that it's like, are they doing the whole thing now? But we are going to have to talk about Detroit. I'm shocked we're talking about Detroit. <laughs> oh,
1: Detroit. Oh, Detroit. What are we going to do with you? Uh,
2: but yeah, the Lions, uh, they're at three. And this is one of those ones where... A lot of people have the Dolphins trading up uh, and to try and get two of there, or maybe the Dolphins will hold put at five. Um, and then if the Lions don't trade, who are they going to consider? Will it be Jeff Okida, uh the cornerback from Ohio State? Uh, so let's start off with, you know, if they don't, most likely they'll probably go cornerback after they got rid of Slay. Um, It seems like that would be most likely the obvious move, and I think you might be agreeing on that part. But do you think the Lions are trading that pitch?
1: You know, I think they will if they get the right offer. Um, Here's how I see that playing out. If, like you said, there is a possibility Washington could do something crazy and not take Chase Young, there's a chance that Chase Young falls to the third spot. If he does, then it's a no brainer. You go out there, you take Chase Young. You know, the defense for Detroit was okay. It could be even better if you have a guy like Chase Young on their side. Um, I would have liked the Chase Young pick better if they held on to a guy like Darius Slay. But clearly, they didn't. So if Chase Young is off the board, logically, it might make sense to go get Okuda. Um, What I think they will do is they'll end up trading down. I think Miami will go in there and swoop in just to make sure they get their guy. Although, if you're Miami, you don't necessarily have to. So I don't think Miami will trade up. Because logically, the Giants aren't going to take a quarterback, as far as we know, right, Nick? Because, I mean, crazier things have happened. I don't think the Giants are taking a quarterback. So if you're Miami, to jump up from five to three makes no sense to me when all the other teams that need a QB behind you are further back. A team that I can see trading up with the Detroit Lions could be the Las Vegas Raiders. Yes, I practiced that like seven times, so I wouldn't say Oakland. Um, I think the Raiders really want to go in there and get their guy. Who is their guy? I don't know. But I do think the Raiders know who they want, and I think the Raiders are going to, you know, they have a couple picks in the draft this year. They can make a compelling argument to push forward. If you're the Lions, you know, your team, the Lions are in an awkward stage where they're not a terrible team, but they're not a great team either. So it would be kind of foolish for them to pot, to pass it up on the third overall pick in the draft, um, especially where they're at in their franchise right now. But I think if the trade package is so good, I could see the Raiders overpaying to try and get their guy whether that's Jordan Love, whether it's a Tua, whether it's Justin Herbert, um, I could see them moving up to three to go get their guy. Now, Nick, I will sprinkle this in there. What I would do if I was Detroit, I would draft a quarterback for the Detroit Lions because for me, Matt Stafford and his broken back, I don't know how much longer he has. I also don't know how much longer Matthew Stafford realistically wants to be in Detroit. So if you're in a spot here where it's very QB heavy draft. We're not QB heavy in the sense that a lot of teams need one, but there's not a lot of great ones lying around that can step in right away. You should definitely go out there and get Matthew Stafford's replacement now. Um, But I don't see them doing that. I can see them trading with the Raiders. I see the Raiders overpaying to go and get the guy that they want.
2: The first thing I did was I actually looked at Matthew Stafford's contract. I think 32. He signed for another two years. Um, Uh, 2022 you can possibly buy out after like 2021 Uh, so he's not on for much of a long term deal Uh, obviously there'd be a lot of like dead cap hit onto that side but it is really interesting when you look at the Giants and the Lions because essentially you know the teams could believe I have my quarterback already and those are tradable uh, pits at that moment and I, I do like your uh Las Vegas Raiders uh, possibly moving up on that one. Uh, you're going into a new stadium, you sometimes need a new face on the team with it. And it it's clear that that um Jake Gruden
1: hates Derek Carr's guts. Let's just get that out there. That's not a secret. <laughs> yeah. Um He hates Derek Carr more than you hate running backs, which is <laughs> becoming crazy.
2: If only you could love him like that with Portals. Every podcast, you gotta get portals in
1: once. I see that you didn't get it in last, so you might have to get it in twice this uh on this episode. So let's we'll
2: see if I can work it well. <laughs> All right, so you know it is interesting. It is. Um, I do think the Lions have to trade their pick. You know, it's great if you wind up with the best cornerback in the draft, and who's probably the second best player or third best player behind just Chase Young and Joe Burrow. Um, you might be able to get you know, Jeff Okida at the fourth, at the fifth, at the sixth spot, depending on where you trade. I don't think the Lions are going to try and move too far down in this draft because there are a lot of pieces that they still have to fit. They don't have a lot of pits in this draft. And the idea of moving too far out of the first round is a hard hard belief of it not happening as much as I'd like to see New England try and come in uh, towards the Lions, I don't think that's a possibility. Uh, the only way I could see that as ever playing out is if the Lions were to trade with the Dolphins and then trade with New England as well. That would be my only way of seeing them uh, go with the Patriots. I would love to see the Patriots try and move up in this draft if they're not going to go with Bortles. Uh, they might.
1: I mean, Matt Patricia you know, can be easily persuaded probably by Bill Belichick at that point.
2: Yeah. Uh, and I, I did put a uh, rule that as a possibility that it all a sudden, if the Lions had, you know, if the Lions were to trade and then they wind up in the first round with the 23rd and 26th pick, you know, is that better than having just the third pick in the draft? And you still have a few more draft picks after that from both Miami and New England, who both have combined like 14 pits and 11 pits, at least in the draft. So you can get a lot of pieces on your team that way and still hold two first round draft pits, you know, inside the top 20 sits. Uh, So you can make a lot of different things work with that. uh, If you're the Detroit Lions on that possibility, if they're doing like a double trade part. But for the most part, the Lions are definitely making a trade it will be interesting to see who they do trade with, who can offer them the most hits. I will be shocked if they make the pitch in third. Uh, for the Giants, who do you think they should get?
1: Well, again, I will visit the Chase Young theory because the Bengals are going to take Burrow. If Washington ends up taking Tua, whoever is going to trade up with the Lions is probably going to go get a quarterback. There's a possibility, Nick, there's a strong possibility that Chase Young ends up dropping to four. So if he does, you take Chase Young. Um... Obviously, I think that would be a huge boost for Giants fans and what has been a pretty disappointing season, honestly, again. Um, But if they don't, I think the Giants should make this pick. I know I see a lot of people saying, you know, trade back. Um, I only trade back, again, if people are going to give me multiple picks. And if they do, then I'll consider it. But if we're only talking about swapping a one-for-one, I think the Giants still have a lot of needs now, too. Now, honestly, this is like the Saquon Barkley scenario all over again. Everybody is crying for them to draft Isaiah Simmons from Clemson. I get it. He's talented. He's a good, very, very good linebacker. But the Giants also went out there and signed like a million linebackers in free agency. So I have no reason to believe that the Giants are going to be in the market for Isaiah Simmons as well, too. I know Simmons is pretty versatile, but I just don't see a scenario where the Giants benefit from drafting Simmons right now over a bigger need. You have your quarterback. Let's protect this quarterback for the next 10 years if he is your next quarterback. There's so many offensive linemen in this draft. However, it's very unpredictable with the way offensive linemen can get drafted on the board. A lot of teams could probably use an offensive lineman. Every team, Nick, can always use a good offensive lineman coming out of college to freshen up their offensive line. But if you're the Giants, they desperately need it. And if I'm the Giants with your fourth pick, you have to go offensive lineman here.
2: Yeah, I like going offensive lineman. Uh, Jadrit Willis is who I think the Giants are going to be targeting here uh, from Alabama. Uh, You know, it really, you you can't go wrong with a couple different ones, but if you can get the best offensive lineman in the draft at four, uh, not to compare them the same way with Indianapolis and what they were able to do, and I don't think it's the same player, uh, but Indianapolis was able to hold their pick. They didn't need any needs of a quarterback. They went offensive line, and it works out, and they have one of the best offensive line in football. Uh, Making those type of decisions is the way to set up your offense uh, in the future. There is the possibility the Giants consider trading down a little bit. Uh, there are four good offensive linemen in the draft that if you move a couple spots down in the first round, you can still get the offensive line. If you're looking at the wide, rec- uh, at wide receivers at that point, because of how high, heavy the wide receiver draft pool is, I don't think the Giants would do something that crazy because just how deep this draft goes in wide receivers, you can get that still at second or third rounds. Uh, so I do think the Giants should go offensive line as well. Uh, Simmons is Simmons is probably the best lineman out there, uh, linebacker out there. So it's not the worst play in the world, but first you always should be protecting your young quarterbacks. All right, so I'm going to skip the Dolphins at this moment. I want to talk about the Chargers at six. Um, if you're the Chargers, you have Terod Taylor. Uh, if you're me, like two years ago, you liked that, but you may not like that as much.
1: Four years ago, honestly.
2: <laughs> or four years ago. You may like that. But if you're the Chargers, you're sitting at the sit spot. There's a few different teams that could move up on you and take either Tua or take Justin Herbert. If you're the Chargers, are you? is this a must-to-be draft for the, the Chargers?
1: You know, I think it is. And it's a real shame because I feel like the Chargers, you know, to me, they have quite a few needs, too. I would love to see them go out there and get a wide receiver um, just because a lot of their wide receivers have just been very injury prone over the past couple of seasons. Um, you know, they franchise tagged Hunter Henry. Uh, they they extended Austin Eckler, which was a good move. Um, and it, seem, it seems like they're advertising Tyrod Taylor very heavily. Um, I just don't buy it, Nick. I mean – it wasn't a secret that Los Angeles was in the market for Tom Brady. They really wanted Brady. But when they became an unappealing option, they kind of tried to flip the script saying, well, we have Tyrod Taylor. We're fine. You know, even now, I feel like the Chargers are a team that can benefit from signing a guy like Cam Newton to a one-year deal or signing a guy like Jameis Winston to a one-year deal and competing with Tyrod Taylor. But instead, the Chargers are kind of being like, nope, we like Taylor. This is our QB I still don't buy it. So what that tells me, if they're not going to go out and they're not going to get Cam Newton, if they're not going to get Jameis Winston and you let a guy like Phillip Rivers go, who is the face of your franchise for a couple years, what this tells me is the Chargers are going to go QB in the first round. Now the question is, do they do it at the sixth spot or do they try and trade up with a team like the Lions or the Giants and try and do it sooner, right? Because at that point, you could have a lot of teams swooping in and there are a lot of quarterbacks. But the question is, is your guy, going to be available? Um, And if your guy is not, do you have another guy that you like in favor? Uh, It's a very, very interesting draft class, right? Because the top five right off the bat are what, Burrow, Tua, and then people kind of argue between Herbert being the third, but then you're also hearing Jordan Love's name or Jake Fromm. So I feel like after those two, after Burrow and Tua, there's a lot of debate on who people like. Um, So the question is, who do the Chargers like the most? But my point is, though, is that even if you are gonna go with Taylor into the season as your starting quarterback. You still need to have a guy holding a clipboard behind him if that's the route you're going to go. And most likely whoever they end up drafting is going to take up is going to take over halfway through the season. The only question is are the Chargers still going to be alive at that point or is it going to be a throwaway year and you're just going to let the kid learn. But in every scenario, I can't see how the Chargers don't pick a quarterback.
2: Yeah, this this has to be a uh, quarterback. Uh, It's just a matter of where, what spot. Uh, A lot of things could dictate it. Obviously, you don't think Cincinnati's going to move it. Um, Washington should stay the same with Chase uh, Young. And then you're four pits away, and that might be four pits too far um, from having your choice of Tua or Herbert. But I certainly think the Chargers are going to have to try and move up a little bit. They could wind up switching with the Giants Uh, from sits to four, there's a possibility that they could try. And I'd hate to see them pull off the move that Chicago did with San Francisco to move up one spot in a draft that didn't work out clearly. Um, That kind of has the same feeling when you talk about moving from the three to the five or sits to a five spot. Uh, So it is interesting on how that will play out. A lot will dictate on what Detroit winds up doing and who Detroit winds up making a trade with. But certainly, the Chargers really need to go out there and take a quarterback in the first round here. Uh, we're not really going to cover the Panthers, Cardinals, uh, Jaguars, Browns, because a lot of these teams, you know, I do expect all of them to take offensive line or defensive line. I don't think there's going to be really. A bit surprised there. to be more of someone possibly trading in. Uh, but I do want to jump into the Jets. And the Jets, you know, they need a lot of different pieces. They need some offensive line help. They need some wide receiver help. They need some defensive lineman help. But if you're the Jets, you're looking at this. You have Sam Darnold. You don't have any pieces behind him. You don't have anybody really to protect him. And you're sitting with the 11th pick in the draft. What are you looking at as your top priority?
1: Well, honestly, you know I'm not a big fan of Robbie Anderson, um, but I do think him leaving the Jets is going to be a huge blow to their draft board. Um, The reason being, I really want the Jets to choose an offensive lineman here. I think, you know, your quarterback is important. I think Sam Darnold is a terrific quarterback. I am jealous that the Jets have him. Um, And you know how I feel about Darnold. Yes, last year was a very, very weird year. The Jets had a very, very bad year. But honestly... You know, if Darnold wasn't missing for the first six games of the season because of Mono, believe it or not, grown men still get, um, you know, maybe the season ends up just a little bit differently. Maybe they win a couple more games here and there. Uh, but you need to protect Sam Darnold. You need to build that offensive line. It's been a while since the Jets have had a good one. If you need, if you want Le'Veon Bell to live out the rest of that contract, he needs a good offensive line to run behind. And so to me, the offensive line is a must-pick for the Jets. However seeing Robbie Anderson now leave the Jets changes that in my opinion. Now I think the Jets are almost forced to go wide receiver because who else is on this damn team for him to throw to? I mean, you have Jamison Crowder who if you look at his stats had a good year. It wasn't great, it wasn't a Pro Bowl season, but it was still a good season for a wide receiver that was wearing the Green Jets uniform. But other than that, there's really no other receivers on this da- damn team. So if you're the Jets because of not being able to re-sign Robbie Anderson and I don't know if there was mutual interest or or what? And exactly, I'm not exactly saying that the Jets needed to go out there and re-sign him, but the fact that they didn't get anybody else in free agency yet almost makes this a must-have pick for the Jets to choose a wide receiver.
2: All right, for the Jets, I think they've got to go wide receiver as well. I think when you have a young quarterback who doesn't have any weapons around him, you need to put something with him. And this could be a real great tandem at the end of the day is how I look at this.
1: It's going to be a 10 year tandem.
2: Yeah. You know, we've seen teams where it's like you develop your quarterback with your wide receiver and that becomes your main go-to piece. And I'm not going to compare any of them to like a Julio Jones, but you see that a lot with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. We saw the same with uh, Matthew Stafford and Calvin Johnson, you know, two top first round guys. They're both, you know, a couple draft rounds, uh, like a year apart or two years apart, and from there, that's how you build it and and from he, this point, we can see the same with Sam Darnold. He doesn't have a wide receiver that's been his go to person. You can bring in a top wide receiver for him that's That's the beginning of what's you know we've seen the game plan for many teams out there uh with that being said, if we're both thinking about wide receiver at this moment. There are three that stand out as the top ones in this wide receiver-heavy uh, draft. Which one do you think is number one, or which one would you take if you're the Jets at that point? Who's, who stands out the most to you? Uh,
1: to me, I really like C.D. Lamb. Um, for a couple different reasons. First of all, his name is fun as hell to say. That's not the sole reason, but I mean, come on, is that not great? I could, you know, there's just so many advertising things you can do that with. And if you're in New York, if you're the Jets, um, if to me, I think CD Lamb, even if it's not on the Jets, um, and you know, wide receiver could go earlier than that, honestly, than we think. Um, but CD Lamb to me is a very, very talented wide receiver. Um, and I think I know you were saying that we're not going to talk about the picks before the Jets, um, but sitting at the number eight pick is the Arizona Cardinals. And I know that they just, they, they, that they just traded for Deandre Hopkins. So this might not make sense. And I do think they're going to end up going for
2: David Johnson. It's pretty fair.
1: Right. (laughs) You tell yourself that Bill O'Brien. I didn't know I was doing a show with him anyways. Uh, I know that they just got Deandre Hopkins and they ideally probably should go offensive line to help keep building that line in front of Kyler Murray, especially if he's going to be a mobile quarterback. Um, But to me, I could also see them getting another wide receiver just to help them out. Because, yes, the pairing of Hopkins and Fitzgerald is very cool, very appealing. But Fitzgerald is also getting up there with age, too. So why not add another wide receiver to that mix, too? Um, So to me, I could see the Cardinals taking a wide receiver, and I could see them taking a guy like C.D. Lamb. And can you imagine a guy like C.D. Lamb being paired up with DeAndre Hopkins, the things that he can learn? Um, To me, he's just such a dynamic wide receiver. And you know the school that he goes to, they always get all these – You know, they get all the high publicity – I really think he made something out of nothing last year at, at, you know, in college. Um, so to me, I just think he's the most talented wide receiver in a draft, and I could see him going early. I could see him going to the Cardinals. If not, I hope he goes to the Jets because I think a pairing of him and Sam Darnold could actually be a really, really good uh, pairing for the future.
2: Yeah, I like Lamb. I think he's going to be a really good player. A lot of people have him being more of a slot wide receiver. I don't know if – you know, with that being said, I don't know if like a slot wide receiver is really what you want to take as the as the top wide receiver for my own sake. I, I'm more of you know both of them are pretty much the same height. Uh, Jerry Jude is a little bit faster than Lamb. He doesn't have as cool as a name as CD. I'll give you that. So he loses maybe a little bit of points for that one. But I think it should be Jerry at this point. He's projected to be the top one. Uh, I haven't found anything or heard anything for him to not be uh, the top wide receiver. And all around, I think he's the right piece for Sam Darnold uh, because we haven't really seen Darnold almost at sell with any slot wide receiver. And that's been like a missing piece. Um, and to try and create almost like a new system on that part, I don't know if it's going to work for him. Whereas I'd rather just... See, so you get a true wide receiver, not a slot guy, and that may set you up perfect. So, I do have Jerry as the number one wide receiver, uh, and I do have him going to the Jets. All right. With that, last question I'll ask you about the draft: Is there any team or teams you expect to really move up and to shape the draft? We we've seen that a couple times where someone trades up a couple of years and. On draft day in the first round, and I'm not talking about more of the other rounds, um, and to find a draft, we saw the Giants do something a little bit like that with taking Daniel Jones so early. Um, Is there a move or a trade you would expect that could shape it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I do think, you know, I don't want to be repetitive, but going back to that whole Raiders moving up with the Lions thing, I think that trade is a realistic trade that can happen. And I think that will end up shaping the draft because it's going to take another QB off the board that wasn't expected, right? Logically, it should be Joe Burrows going at one, and then the next QB ideally is not – if everybody keeps their picks and does the smart thing, the next quarterback doesn't come off the board until five with Miami, right? But all of a sudden, if Washington takes a QB and then Las Vegas – you know, goes up there and trades up and takes another QB. All of a sudden, there's three QBs off the board now. And at that point, even though there's still plenty to pick from, it's also slim pickings in terms of who do people want, right? In terms of, you know, how you rank the draft board, it's Burrows to, uh, you know, Herbert, Love, From. Um, there's just a lot of guys that a lot of people actually want in that top five or the top six. And if the Raiders actually move up and take a guy, it can derail a lot of people's plans. And like you said, don't sleep on the Patriots either. I can definitely see them going out there and get their guy or, not even just the Patriots getting a QB, watch out for the Patriots to try and trade up and get one of these guys like C.D. Lamb or Jerry Judy or Henry Ruggs. I mean, what's better than giving whoever's going to be your starting quarterback, you know, what's better than that than giving him primary weapon?
2: So, I really have, I'm going to put two on my list and try and hit the dark board. Uh, <laughs> but I'm going to take the New England Patriots as one. And this one might be a real shot in the dark, but I think they could possibly move up. I don't know if they have essentially enough pieces to move up too high in the draft, but they could be one of those sneaky teams to try and move up and get uh, Justin Herbert. It would be insane for Bill Belichick to do. It'd be the most like, un-Bill Belichick thing possible, but everything shows that Bill Belichick and the Patriots really, really like Justin Herbert. And you know it's rare we've ever heard any report like that before you know they do have a lot of pits obviously nothing's in like the top 20 and they would clearly have to move their number one pick in uh, the first round in the 23rd pick of the draft it's not as high of a pick compared to like the Dolphins it's not nearly as high as also compared to the Raiders Um, but I do think they're a possibility to move up and shape the draft if they were to do something like that the other one this one's even, I think, as much of a shot of a dark as well. But I'm going to pit the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, you know, it's really strange on there. They have four fourth round pits. They have two first round pits. One at nine, one at twenty. And this is one where, yes, we saw them trade Nick Foles, but do they trust Donovan i I like him. I like the stats. I don't know if. I'm in love with the idea of him being in the starting quarterback. He's not Blake Bortles, uh, but this is one where they can they can try and make a move. They can get one of the top three quarterbacks easily in this draft if they don't believe uh, Minshew is their starting quarterback for the future. Uh, they've opened up a nice cap space. They have a lot of draft this here. They have a lot of fourth round draft pits. They have two first round draft pits. They could move essentially from the nine to an earlier spot, as well as still holding on to that 20th pit by even giving away a second or a third and still recover with that fourth round being so full. So it's a real possibility that Jacksonville could move up. They could even try and get a third first-round pick. I don't think that one's a real possibility, but I think they could easily move up in the draft, whether it's to the top seven at that point or whether it's from 20 to even further up as well. Uh, So I do think Jacksonville could be on the move, uh, certainly moving up at least once. All right. MLB. It seems like they have the best chance at the moment of uh, starting up after everything's uh, taken place with COVID-19. Uh, everything's been put on hold when it comes to sports. That's not to say that, you know, the MLB is going to start tomorrow, but MLB certainly has the best chance compared to like the NHL or the M- uh, NBA at the moment. There's the possibility of switching. And what I mean switching, they're talking about changing it from the American League and National League to possibly the Grapefruit and Cactus League. The spring training leads, where already teams have facilities in Arizona and Florida, they would essentially keep those divisions as such with the Cactus and Grapefruit League. Now, the, the real negative on that is you do have 12 teams in one, 18 in another. The divisions would completely change. Uh, The Yankees get a a real walk in the park, I think, because they have, like, Pittsburgh, Detroit. Uh, I think Miami was all in their range. And then I think Atlanta was the one team not uh, that would have projected to lose, like, what, 140 games or something. Um, So this is a possibility that MLB is considering. I do think MLB is going to be the first sport to come back, whether they come back as National League and American League and they send half out to Arizona and half out to Tampa. I don't know if that successfully works because, you know, you do have interleague games that you're not going to really be playing too much. They may just stick with a lot of just staying with the league and close quarters of that and basically have the World Series be between the Grapefruit and Cactus What is your take on this? Do you like the possibility of this occurring? Uh, Obviously, there's a lot to go in uh, depth on that part.
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, the the point is that I understand all these sports are trying to get back on the same page. Right. Um, A lot of them are saying, oh, it's try to get back to normalcy or it's for your entertainment. And people are saying, oh, like, you know, people are getting bored. They need something. We don't really need baseball to come back. They want baseball to come back because financially it's going to be good for their pockets. But that could be a whole separate rant, honestly, for another day. I don't want to get too into the politics of trying to make money for each sport. It's why certain teams are trying so desperately hard to be first, right? Because they want their stuff on TV because for the taking. Um, but if you push all that to the side, I just don't know if this is the most beneficial route. Like you mentioned earlier, there's more teams in one league than there is in the other. Now, geographically, it does make sense if they want to try and cut down on the traveling. You know, if they want to cut down on the amount of times that people are away from the facilities, at least they can keep them all in one place. They can monitor them. If anybody gets sick, they can easily have access to them and know where they are at all times instead of them traveling from city to city on flight to flight, from airplane to airplane, you know, hotel to hotel. Just so many different places. At least you'll have them in one spot um, that you can get this thing started. However, you know, the only thing I don't like about it is that, you know, it forces you to shuffle some things around. So, like you said, the Yankees division would be pathetic when it's all said and done. And – Honestly, that's not so much different than the AL East because realistically in the AL East this year is going to be between the Yankees and maybe the Tampa Bay Rays. But I think we all predicted the Yankees were going to take the AL East pretty easily this year. So it's not that much different. But I think you are watering down the competition if you do it like this, considering that there's a lot of competitive teams in Arizona and not as many on the East Coast, in my opinion, that would be competing um, for this style of uh, and how they would break it down. I just think it's a headache. I think they should, you know, continue to monitor the situation, and unless this is the only possibility, I don't see this as the best possibility.
2: You know, I I'm, I like it. Automatically, it gets leads in there. Um, and here it was um, the grapefruit Yankees, Philadelphia, Toronto, Detroit, and Pittsburgh. So it was pretty close. I had majority of there in there, um, but in in the grapefruit, there's Clearly, there's more playoff teams. In one division, the East, the Mets get screwed. They get the Nationals, Astros, Cardinals, and these are oh. playoff teams, right? On Go, that figure. <laughs> Go figure. Go um, figure. The South is incredible, and Baltimore's dead. I mean, they already were, but when you throw in the Red Sox, the Twins, Atlanta, and the Rays, Baltimore's never winning a game <laughs> or a series at that point. So there's well, that's not, not a,
1: too far off <laughs> from the truth. But at the end of the day,
2: you know, there there are. Things to really take away from this, Uh, the possibility that, you know, all of a sudden the Mets and Yankees are in the same league. And if it is a playoff series, they can have a playoff series against each other and they could be fighting for spots in the playoffs if the Mets are able to go that far. You can see the same with Chicago. The Cubs' White Sox are now in the same one. The Los Angeles Dodgers and Angels are in the same uh group. So th- there are different rivalry perspectives that can occur through this. Um, this is the only way that they really can consider this, because the entire part is there's not going to be fans for these games. Not, and if there are, there. What is it going to be like a small attendance? Or if it is, then everything's good, and they're not going to need to just be playing in Florida and Arizona. So, obviously, there's no fans. This is about TV time. And do you want to have the Yankees and Mets or one of the two in Arizona? And now it's 10 p.m. games every night. Or maybe they're doing it a little bit earlier. So, it it's not going to get the viewership it deserves and could have uh, without having a lot of the East Coast teams in Florida and most of the central and west teams in Arizona, so this is the right way that they could do this um, and it does make sense at the end of the day and I think this has to be done that way and I don't think I don't think the baseball purist is going to be like no this isn't a right regu- this isn't a season at that point after all, we just gave the Astros the two thousand and seventeen World Series still, so I don't think. I don't think any purist is going to hate if we change it American League and National League to Grapefruit League and Cactus League. So I, I think it works and overall I think this could be the right way to go. And at the end of the day, if we get a sport back, right? Are, we, are is anybody really complaining?
1: Yeah, I mean, I get it. It's 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 just it just it feels so weird this is that uh, this is what it's resorting to, but I get it. And I mean, I don't mean to completely bash the MLB. I give them credit for trying, but what I don't want to see is I don't want to see a world series in December just because things are getting pushed back. Doesn't mean we still need to play 162 games. Let's just start the bad boy in June. You know, let's play a hundred games. If we need to, let's not care about what Mariano Rivera says about if you play 60 games and you're not a world series champion, like everybody plays the same number of games. Relax, my dude, you threw one
2: pitch. <laughs> so, it doesn't really matter when they play. If they if try they and do it as starting up in June or start up in like, you know, after the All-Star game would be considered uh, and, and play out through and go as far as they can, whether it's 108 games, 162. I certainly think 162 is thrown out the window. I think 108 is certainly uh, a possibility. And, you know, if you are considering the october or november or uh december world series you know is it really that bad Uh, the only thing it hurts is it hurts the next year's teams uh the 2021 free agent time span uh the spring training of next year the the time off for teams so i think that's the only key that they'll have to look at for that one but as far as weather that's not a big deal you're going to be playing in arizona and florida all three of those stadiums in the major leagues are domed. So there's not a big issue for that part. Uh, lastly, uh, with Beardback and Dude and Dunce, uh, you know, there's so many things that, you know, in history, uh, I have, you know, first Milwaukee Braves game, first Baltimore Orioles game, Hank Aaron's first game, Pete Rose's first game. Uh, There's so many different ones on this. Tiger Woods wins his first Masters in 1997. Uh, Jose, you said you had a few, correct?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, today is the anniversary of Kobe Bryant's last game. Let him rest in peace. Uh, When he dropped 60 points, he just couldn't resist not dropping one more giant point total right on the Utah Jazz, I believe it was. And it's also the anniversary of when the Warriors beat the Bulls record of perfect, not perfect, uh, the best record in NBA history going 73-9. and um, Nick, I think it's safe to say, it was funny because I was watching the interview today with Steve Kerr, he said that when he thought, he said that when the Bulls did that, he never thought that the record would be broken, and he still says he don't think anybody's going to break the record. Do you think it's even possible that we would even see a team come close to breaking the Warriors 73-9? and
2: No, I don't think it's, it's not really going to be possible.
1: With load management these days, I don't think it, I don't think we'll come close either.
2: Load management. Um, the idea of how many star-powered uh, players were on the Warriors, uh, and there well, is to be
1: fair. To be fair, at that point, it was only the original three. Yes, it, it was pre KD,
2: pre KD. Um, but at that time, it was just the best shooters, and, and no, I don't think we'll see something like that. The way the Warriors got assembled assigned, everything to happen to take place to get there, it's almost impossible. And you see the best players nowadays, and there's still so much parity. Uh, the only way that that's possible is if, like, what, Giannis goes to place for the Warriors in, like, two years from now. Then, yeah. Then, then sure, there's the shot. But as of right now, no. Um, You know, with everything going on, uh, of course, a special, like, thank you to all nurses and doctors and hospitals working, and again, all essential workers that are working each day, uh, you know, stay safe with everything going on. Uh, continue to social distance, and that's all we can you know do to f- truly fight this and help protect everyone. Another day. I, I think we have like a dunce of the week as well and a of a week.
1: Uh, So for the dude of the week, uh, we do have, like you said, not only is it our essential workers, we do have some athletes out there in the field going out there and giving back to their communities. Dustin Poirier, who is a UFC fighter, for those of you who watch UFC, he does have a foundation called the Good Fight Foundation where he has done a lot of charitable things in the past. Lately, his next step in what he's been doing is he's been making meals for these essential workers, for hospital workers. He's been making a bunch of pizzas out in Louisiana where he lives in his hometown. This guy truly is a class act when it comes to charity work, not afraid to give back. So Dustin Poirier definitely is the dude of the week for sacrificing his time and, you know, sacri- you know something that he doesn't have to do is something that he wants to do and sacrificing his safety in the process of making them for them while they take care of other people who are sick, of course, as well. And our dunce of the week is going to stay UFC related as well. It's going to go to Dana White. Now, as much as I give credit to Dana White for still trying to make these fights happen, I get it. You have a business to run you want to put eyes on the product. You know this is your time to shine because no other sports are on, so everybody can watch UFC. I think it's extremely dangerous and extremely clueless to have an event go on where people are literally bleeding and sweating on each other in the middle of a pandemic where fluids being exchanged is one of the main causes of how this thing is spreading. Now, I again I applaud Dana White a little bit on his efforts to try and do this thing, but when you're going as far as to secure a private island to have these fights go down for international fighters. That to me is where you're losing me a little bit. Cause that comes off as more desperate than it does as innovative. It clearly just looks like you're trying to line your pockets for money. Um, I think it sends the wrong message, but Hey, kudos to the fighters that are willing to go out there and, and provide some entertainment. Uh, we could, we could all use it. And it's like you said, Nick, no one's going to argue if there's sports on TV. So if there is, obviously I'll watch, I'm not going to be a hypocrite, but when it's all said and done, I think he's going just a little bit too far to try and make sure these things happen. Um, to the point where everybody's blaming Mickey Mouse now. I mean,
2: poor Mickey, <laughs> shutting down the UFC. And with that, thank you so much to listen to Sarasso and the Beard Podcast, episode 57. I am Nick Sarasso. And I'm the Talking Beard, Jose Rivera. And always do check out the other podcasts on the S&D Podcast channel. Um, always great shows, especially with WrestleMania just coming uh, off as well. Uh, congrats to Drew McIntyre. And everybody, again, please stay safe and continue the social distancing.
1: Introducing SN Snapshots, a new photography business started up by s Podcast co-host Stephen. Make sure to follow him on all of social media such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching SN Snapshots. That's shots with a Z. He can also be reached very easily through his website snsnapshots.com. So if you need a photographer for any sort of event and or project, contact SN Snapshots
0: now